Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. This is the show we share cutting edge strategies to help marketing directors, CMOs, and business owners to acquire more leads and sales to ultimately achieve their vision as an organization. And I am really excited about today's talk because this is now... I guess the third time I've seen this. Lucky you, Ralph. Lucky, Lucky me. You. But I would say, without a hint of hyperbole, I'm going to start talking like you or sounding like you <laughs> a little bit here, Qasem Aslam, is this is one of the most important talks on attribution on different platforms, multi-platforms working together and also perhaps in a lot of cases, a lot of marketing professionals thinking they're working against each other when in fact mm. that's really not the case. Because I've never seen anybody explain the whole continuum of how attribution works. Even the super smart guys like the Austin Harrisons of the world, the Scott DeGrassiers of the world, I've never seen anybody explain it like this. And this is why I'm excited that we have a YouTube channel now, which is fully synced with our freaking episodes. We're so sorry. Thank you. I do apologize for our negative comments for some of our listeners. Said, Why don't you guys sync your YouTube with your actual audio podcast? All right. All right. We gave our team a little time between Christmas and New Year's custom. Apparently, that's what you have to do here in the United States is give people time off. But today, we're going to be showing this because this is a presentation that you did at TNC. And then I saw it again at Driven. The first time, you had to do it like 27 minutes or whatever. And spoke, I think, faster than I've ever seen you speak. And then the second time at Driven, you went through it even more. So we're going to probably do this in two parts, is my guess, because it deserves people to just understand. And if you're a tactical person saying, just show me the tactics of exactly which platform, which channel is creating my sales, whether it's first click, last click, in between click, we're not going to give you those answers today. Because you're never going to find that out exactly. But what you do need to know is you need to have an understanding of how it all works. And I think your explanation here today is a really good example of that. So I'm pumping this up probably way more than I should. But I think it's warranted because it's a big question that you and I get a ton. And I know the perpetual traffic listener often worries about it as well. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert 
Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is the most important message of my entrepreneurial career, not to pump it up even more. It's not anything I figured out. It's actually the opposite. I've noticed generally in life, the best explanation comes from the dumbest guy in the room. There's a bunch of like triple PhD smart people sitting around a table talking about things. And then there's one idiot that got into the room on accident to bring the donuts. But that's the idiot that if he's in the room long enough, he or she kind of starts to get it and then can bring it to the masses. You know, like, hey, y'all, I figured out what they're talking about. And here's my duct tape, bubble gum and crayon explanation. And that's what it takes. So this presentation, whilst important, is also massively oversimplified. And if anybody feels like I'm talking down to them, I'm going to apologize in advance. It's not my intention at all. But in order to define a problem, we need to first define terms. And so we're going to dive deep and we're going to go back. And when I say go back, we're going to go all the way back to the literal basics of all things marketing. And I'm going to do my best to explain what I think is wrong with not just the world of traffic, but it's really wrong with the way that we approach traffic. And this is a global truth. The benefit I have is I have 200 clients. I have $100 million in ad spend under management, hundreds of millions under observation now because we've been acquired. And so our parent company has massively more ad spend than we do. And some of this data is made available and accessible to us. And I can tell you that this isn't a one-off anomaly. This is the global state of affairs. And Ralph, you heard me. I kind of got pissy at TNC. My presentation was very angry. People came up to me afterwards and they're like, I didn't realize you were so mad about this. And I was like, you know, I didn't realize it either because I'd never done the presentation before. Yeah. But I feel like I'm in a live action role play of the emperor's new clothes. And so few of us are saying like, hey, y'all, attribution is naked, basically. And, and everybody's like, no, 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 no. So here's my best attempt at articulating this. And then please feel free to break in as I just word vomit and let me know where we need to strengthen the narrative. And I'm going to break in quickly here because at the end of the day, this is about attribution, but it's not really about attribution. It's about how you actually view your entire business and how people 
come from not knowing who you are to ultimately becoming lifelong customers and everything in between and how you view that. And your view of this is a very different take that I think a lot of people that take a very definitive view. It's like, oh, this is absolutely the case. There's no absolutes here. There's a lot of gray area. If you're not watching on our YouTube channel, I highly recommend that you do that on this show and head on over to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. We're already into the screen share here, Kasim. So there's my first interruption of probably many, but take it away. Yeah, of hopefully many because I need help delivering this. So what we're looking at right now, and I'll do my best to describe it if you're listening, is your standard sales funnel. And a funnel is broad at the top and it tapers at the bottom by intent. A funnel is meant to articulate the natural sequence to somebody becoming aware, considering, and then purchasing. Of all the people that become aware, fewer than the total move down to consideration. Of all the people that are in consideration, fewer than the total move to conversion. And that's important to keep in mind because the taper is where we articulate our loss. And some funnels taper more deeply than others, depending on what your sales cycle looks like and how applicable you are to your customer. And the reason this is so important is because in your standard sales funnel, people move from the top to the middle to the bottom of the funnel. Now, everybody articulates the funnel differently. So you might have like awareness, consideration, intent, evaluation. I don't care. We're not here to argue over nomenclature. All I want to do is make sure that we're on the same page. People start at the top, move to the middle, move to the bottom of the funnel. And this is our y-axis. This is top to bottom, our y-axis. And it's helpful to just remind business owners, marketing directors, media buyers, that this takes place. And the reason it's so helpful is because we have gotten into the bad habit over the last decade or so, but really over the last two or three years of living at the extreme bottom of the funnel. So almost all media buy right now, when I say almost all, I can tell you the majority, 80% or more of what we buy at Solutions 8 is at the bottom of the funnel. Most media buyers live at the bottom of the funnel. And one of the things, and Ralph, you've been the biggest proponent I've ever known of the move up the funnel narrative. So people should be in this right now, we're talking about a one dimensional problem. People should be moving up the funnel, investing in awareness, investing in consideration, because that's what fills the tank and allows you to actually have conversion traffic. So that's problem number one, but we're not done with our problems. We're going to dive much, 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 much deeper in the world of problems. Okay. There's the funnel problem. Problem number two is there's not one form of advertising. So now what I'm going to do, if you're not watching, is there's a collection of pillars that live on top of my funnel. And the pillars move from left to right. And the pillars are representative of every single possible advertising channel in existence. And you don't have to know what they are because they're different for every business. It might be radio, television, newspaper, direct mail, bandit science, door knockers, cold email, LinkedIn outreach, Google ads, Facebook ads, YouTube, Meta, Pinterest, TikTok, whatever. Who cares? From the left to the right, it goes from opaque to more solid in color. And on the left is impression, on the right is click. On the left is you heard, you saw, you experienced, you drove by. And then as you move from the left to the right, you move from impression-based to click-based. And it's not a binary, things aren't impression or click, because sometimes they tend to overlap and they tend to interact. What we want to do is just establish the fact that there's a spectrum in advertising. Radio is a really good example of this. Nobody's ever clicked on a radio ad that I know of, Ralph. I'd love to be corrected on this. Nobody's ever clicked on a radio ad. Maybe you have a special URL that you advertise in your radio ads, and then when people go to that URL, you can attribute back to the radio ad. Maybe. 
Or a coupon code. Or a coupon code, yeah, exactly. But probably right. not. You know what I mean? Probably like, not. Generally speaking, nobody clicks on radio, nobody clicks on television, nobody's clicked on newspaper. Maybe they've tried. And I'm, I'm being obnoxious because it's, it's so important for us to establish how important impression-based advertising is. And it's not just radio, television, newspaper. If you're like, well, I don't do any of the old antiquated stuff, which, by the way, I still think has a ton of viability. Direct mail, super viable, programmatic, display, outbound, most video advertising. Billboards. Oh, billboards, yes. So a most advertising, adjusted for margin of error, will say all advertising is actually impression-based. Very, 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 very little advertising is click-based. This is our x-axis, y-axis, the funnel. People move from the top to the middle to the bottom of the funnel, and advertisers live at the extreme bottom. And now our x-axis is every single possible advertising channel in existence moving on a spectrum from impression to click. Now, the problem gets deeper. Here's what we think happens. People think that, again, if you're not watching, I'm going to do my best to describe this. Imagine that you're now looking at a, a grid, okay? So you have your X and your Y axis, and you think that people move naturally from the top of the funnel down to the bottom of the funnel, and they move naturally from the left side to the right side. So they've slowly become aware because they saw a brand building display ad and then they're good customers and they follow all the orders that you indicate. And so the next thing is they listen to a commercial spot on your podcast and then they move further down the funnel and they ended up seeing a buying guide infographic that you had on Pinterest. And then they move further down the funnel and they found you organically in a blog post. And then they move further down the funnel and they saw your YouTube product demo. And then they move further down the funnel and they saw a Facebook remarketing ad. And then they move further down the funnel and on a Google branded search ad, they bought. That's seven impressions. The seven. issue though, Seven, which is, by the way, that's the lie that everybody's told. It takes seven impressions before somebody catalyzes a purchase. The real number comes from Google, and the real number is in a number. It's a spectrum. Google did a multivariant, multi-year study across hundreds of thousands of different industries, purchases, customers, etc. And what they found was it takes 20 impressions, 20 touches to catalyze the purchase of a candy bar in 500 to catalyze the purchase of an airline ticket. Over 500, they just stopped counting because it got insane. So, you know, if you're selling, I had a client that sold rugged LCD displays to a uh, military industrial complex. So like if, you know, Lockheed Martin is building the next F-16, these guys are selling them. You can't put an iPad in an F-16, right? It has to be like mil-spec, nuclear resistant, whatever, whatever, whatever. I promise you that's a more complex sale than an airline ticket. And it probably took hundreds of thousands <laughs> of impressions. More than 500. Right. Definitely more than seven. Definitely more than, dude, a candy bar is 20. A candy bar is 20, Ralph, and we're still living off this seven impression paradigm. So the question you ask yourself is, is what I sell more complex than a candy bar? If yes, is it more complex than an airline ticket? And maybe not. Google Ads, I think, is more complex than an airline ticket, but you know, I don't know. Blue light blocking glasses maybe are about the same pair pursue. A phone case is halfway between a, a candy bar and, a, you know, you go figure out where you are on this 20 to 500 right. spectrum. But yeah. the point is, here's what really happens. So again, if you're watching on YouTube, this is where the graphic starts to make far more sense. The first and most important thing is, in the world of impression-based advertising, it doesn't stop based off of where the customer is in the funnel because it can't. And this is a critical piece to understand. If you're running, for instance, banner ads, programmatic display, outbound advertising, as your customer moves from the top to the middle to the bottom, there's no way for you to exclude customers based off of intent. By virtue of the fact that this is outbound display and we can't necessarily track who's engaging and in what context. And the reason this is so important is because my question to you, Mr. Data-Driven Marketer, Mr. and Mrs. Data-Driven Marketer, is at what point does this outbound display stop having an impact on their buying decision? And the answer is you'll never know. 
you will never know. You cannot. It's impossible. And so the entire left-hand column is permeated with impressions that you're not able to fully control based off of context, which means that we're not the super fancy data-driven marketers that we thought we were because they travel down from top, middle, and bottom of the funnel. A massive inventory of our advertising is limited in terms of our ability to canvas it. Now, as we move from the left to the right, as we go from opaque to a little more solid, you'll also notice that the middle of the funnel is very much the same way. Even in instances where you can potentially track user engagement, that engagement isn't available to you in perpetuity because of privacy first, GDPR, first party death of cookies, iOS 14, blah, 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 blah. The tracking that we do have is flawed. What I've tried to visually articulate here, and I don't actually have 500 dots on the screen because I got tired of playing copy paste. And I do all my own graphic design, by the way, Ralph. I know that's shocking to you. Mm, I know yeah. that given how good this well, is, you shows. assume. Yeah. yeah, this is an art project here for me. But really what is. you're looking at is it's spaghetti, it's vomit, it's impression vomit, and it's limited only to what this hypothetical brand is using in terms of the advertising channels that they've chosen to utilize. And it's a mess. It's an absolute train wreck. And here's where it gets even worse is I have shown you the x-axis is the spectrum of advertising channels. The y-axis is the funnel from top to bottom. What I couldn't visually articulate and what Ralph has coached me on how to do maybe later is there's a z-axis. This gets three-dimensional and the z-axis is time. Time. Time, which now take this little two-dimensional graph and turn it into a three-dimensional Rubik's Cube and realize that as time moves forward, every one of these impressions atrophies and then disappears over time if you could see it in the first place. And the odds of you seeing it in the first place are very, 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 very slim. So here's the question I have for everybody who's listening or watching. And this is, again, if you go to the YouTube channel, I think this is where the, the biggest impact is going to be made. But of everything that I just showed you and the gobbledygook of all those little dots strewn across the page, how much of it can you actually see? This is everything that happened in this hypothetical scenario. And here's how much we can maybe see, maybe. And this is a fraction of what's taking place. What you see on the screen is everything's blacked out effectively because you can see no impression-based advertising whatsoever. The best that any attribution software can do is what's called modeling. And we all know what that means. It means lying with data. And then even in the middle of the funnel, what you can see is limited to your ability of capturing first-party data and properly attributing it, which most advertisers are not doing, even the most sophisticated. And I know that for a fact because it's what I do for a living. And then you can see the extreme bottom of the funnel on the extreme end of the uh, advertising channel spectrum. So you can see the extreme bottom, click only. Extreme bottom, click only. And then remember too, that this doesn't articulate the z-axis, which is time. So take a Rubik's cube. Imagine a Rubik's cube in your mind, okay? We've all played with a Rubik's cube. Imagine that this one is 10 by 10 by 10. What you can see is the bottom right-hand cube. And that's it. You can see in a 10 by 10 by 10 cube, you can see one cube of a thousand. And that is it. That's all you've got. And yet, we're making all of these super strong strategic decisions based off of the data that's being offered. And now I'm going to zoom in. In the presentation, I zoom in to the bottom right-hand corner, which is just Facebook and Google. And the reason we're going to zoom in is because this is the data that we can actually control. Right. And in the first half of the presentation, I'm going to offer you very specific, very real data-driven examples of how this goes catastrophically wrong for real clients right now today. And I have lost clients because of this, Ralph. I've lost clients in trying to articulate this model and this method. And then they fight me on it, which is insane. So yep. zooming in, here is a real client, real attribution. What you'll notice is if you're watching my screen, 
This is a client, it's a month's worth of data that shows the number of overlap, overlapping conversions where Meta feeds Google. And what we have are $436,000 worth of overlap. And you can see the meta prospecting campaign is where the first click takes place. And then the Google bottom of funnel campaign is where the last click takes place to the tune of $436,000. And you're like, oh, cool. Well, custom. You just, you know, kind of contradict yourself because here we are in our attribution software being able to see this. But again, this is only that one little cube in our Rubik's cube. And let's go look and see what Google tells us. Because inside of Google, and this is the exact same campaign, by the way, you'll notice in the nomenclature, BOF search, which is bottom of funnel. And bottom mm -hmm. of funnel doesn't just mean brand. It also means things like product names, attributes, anything that would articulate intent. In Google, Google says, hey, y'all, we spent $128,000 and we made $2 million. That's a 15x return. We rock. You're welcome. Spend more money in Google. And then you're like, okay, well, that's interesting. What does Meta show? Meta, and this, by the way, isn't Meta because Meta in-app shows a less than 1x return. This right. is the attribution software that I just showed you. Now get this, Ralph. This is where things are insane. And this is how you know that attribution software is massively flawed. The attribution software I just showed you shows the $436,000 in overlap. And yet at the same time, if you ask it for Meta's MER, the media efficiency ratio, it gives me a 1.3, which adjusted for margin of error is basically one in, one out. So what would you do in this instance? Any cogent, intelligent advertiser would be like, turn Meta off. Turn off Meta. Turn off Meta. Google's getting a 15X, my mm -hmm. fancy ass attribution software is telling me so, and mm -hmm. yet when you turn off Meta, that $436,000 goes away. And then you might say, well, no, it's okay, we have offline conversion tracking, it'll fill in the gaps, so after somebody purchases, we'll pipe that back into Google and Meta, and they will know, right? Wrong, wrong. Google's real match rate for post-conversion attribution ranges between 20 and 30% off across all our clients. 20 and 30%, and what sucks is that 20 30% isn't representative of the whole. It's not like you're getting 20-30% of the whole. You're getting the 20 and 30%, which is the minority of people that have actually enabled or allowed for tracking based off of their, you know, whatever, browsing behavior, device settings, etc. So you can't even use this 20 or 30% for modeling. Here's another example. Google in Northbeam is showing a 13x return in this particular campaign. Okay, so I put a dollar in, I get $13 out. I want to do that every time you're possibly going to let me. Facebook is showing a 0.52x return. This is in Northbeam. This is in my fancy, super expensive attribution software, of which I'm an investor and advisor. Okay, I'm a believer in Northbeam and as much as I can be a believer in any other attribution tool. So I'm not even believing Google and Facebook's in-app metrics. I'm using Northbeam. I'm using attribution. Facebook shows me a 0.52. So what do I do? I turn Facebook off. Guess what happens when we turn Facebook off? Campaign it dies. Shits and, the bed. Dude, you know what's horrible about this? Is it, This is the other problem. Is all advertisers think in 30 days, 30-day epochs. It didn't die in 30 days. It took something like seven months. And then yeah. when it dies, you're like, oh, God, what happened? And nobody thinks to go back and look, what did we do seven months ago that could have possibly killed these campaigns? Here's another example. It's this is a though. losing – Sorry? <laughs> it's hard. Dude, it's impossible. But that's the other problem with attribution is customers don't buy in 30-day cycles. No. Media well, isn't sold in 30-day cycles. It depends on your product. Maybe if you're selling a candy bar, maybe. Okay. I don't know, dude. I mean, if you're selling like like birth control pills, you know, but <laughs> otherwise who is like, oh, it's the seventh. I got to buy my monthly candy bar today. You know, like it's such an arbitrary timeline and yet we're making these changes. Toilet repair. There you go. No, All right. I don't know. So, you know, uh, I don't know. That's got to be within 30 days. But the point is, is yes, the Z axis, right. which is your time here, 
it varies so much so. And you can't even say, hey, I have a higher consideration purchase. I want to buy an F-15. I want to buy an attack helicopter. (laughs) Chances are probably, first off, you can't buy it. But the second thing is, is you're not going to buy it, make a decision in a 30-day window. But is that 300 days? Is it 30 days? You don't really know. I think any product you don't really know, you can take a guess right. in most cases. Well, and, and people are guessing wrong. That's the other thing is the amount of time it takes to sell your product, I think is massively, massively protracted versus what you think it takes. Even yeah. if you're buying something as simple as headphones and digestive enzymes, like it doesn't matter. I think that we live in the age of the educated consumer and the amount of time it takes to get somebody from the top to the middle to the bottom of the funnel is much longer than people assume because we've been so spoiled by the bottom of the funnel. The best analogy that was given to me, which actually was given to me by somebody on Facebook, I think. Gosh, I forgot who shared this with me. I wish I could properly attribute it to him, but I was trying to articulate this. And he's a writer. And so he goes, dude, it's corn. We're all using instant pop popcorn. And because we've gotten so spoiled with instant pop popcorn, we stopped planting corn. And and the thing about planting corn is you have to plant the corn. You know, you reap what you sow. There's whole harvest cycles in planting corn. I just want the popcorn, man. Yeah, I just want the popcorn. But it's like, well, it would have happened over time, dude. People have turned off the top of the funnel. All big brands, with a few exceptions, but everybody stopped doing outbound awareness display, which is what grows the corn. And now- We're all fighting for the same quantity of popcorn. And in the world of supply and demand, the cost of the popcorn is going up, 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 up. But the amount of popcorn available is going down because there's no more corn. Because we've stopped doing awareness building and outbound and display. So this is the other piece. And this is where the second half of the presentation is going to come in. I'm going to explain how and why this problem can be solved in what ends up being very simple ways. But first, what we need to do is we need to acknowledge that this is a problem. Because the way that people are advertising is massively, massively flawed. And dude, you know what's terrifying? What's terrifying is the number of people that know this is true, but are complicit anyway. I had a conversation (laughs) with the CMO of a large organization that has a certain level of financial oversight that is necessary because of where they are positioned in the market. And I'm trying to say things without giving them away. And he knows. I'm like, dude, you can't trust any of these in-app metrics. And he goes, yeah, but I can't sell your story to the board. What am I going to do? Go to the board of this massive company and say, yeah, these trillion dollar companies are lying, but this homeless looking idiot that we have hired to run our media, he can show you the truth, right? He goes, I'll lose my job. So between telling the truth and losing my job, I choose keeping my job and I'm truncating the conversation pretty significantly. And there's so many people like this, so many agencies, so many ad managers that know, you know what? This isn't real. What I'm seeing in app can't be real but it's all they have. And what's worse is the third party, there's no single source of truth. Just because you're paying, and dude, I mean, you know I'm a believer in things like Wicked Reports and Northbeam, you know that. But to rely on them wholesale, they're not. You know, you and I had a conversation before we started recording on the spectrum of complete lack of visibility and total visibility. People think that they can get close to 80 to 90%. The best you can do is 10 to 20% at absolute best. And in order to use attribution software and analytic software properly, that understanding needs to be there first and foremost. And then you need to start making really intelligent decisions globally over time. And and again, we'll talk about the solution in part two. I'll maybe pause there. How did I do in articulating the problem? 
I think this is something that people have to go back and listen to a couple of times. This is mm. my third or fourth time. I know you ran by me prior to us, obviously, even doing it at TNC. The point is, is this is how it actually is as opposed to how we want it to be. How we want it to be is in 30-day increments. How we want it to be is that we have as much visibility. Hey, we've got 80, 90% visibility. All we really are missing like, is the last 10 to 15%. No, you really don't. In order to sell more popcorn, you just don't double your shelf space right. and stop and shop. What you actually do is you need to obviously ramp up demand to a certain degree, but also produce more corn, which means more farmers, more corn seeds planted, the whole harvesting process. Nobody sees any of that. They just want the popcorn at the end of the day. We had a call just this past week. Thankfully, you know, we didn't really listen to what they had to say because they were like, hey, listen, we've got a 10x ROAS on our Google spend right now. It's great. Everything's going great with Google. You guys don't need to touch Google. Don't even look at it. What we really need to figure out is like the Facebook stuff and everything else. My point is that your problem is actually Google because what mm. you're thinking is that Google is the thing that's driving your business when in fact it's not. Yeah, Google is just gobbling just, up the customers you'd have gotten otherwise. Gobbling up that last mile, in your case, maybe that last Rubik's Cube cube. Yeah. What's happening with the rest of the Rubik's Cube? That's the problem that you need to solve. How can you ramp that up? And this is a company that actually is in a huge total addressable market, and they're getting a tiny, tiny fraction of it. And their worldview is, don't touch our Google. But where else can we go? It's an incomplete picture. And they have an incomplete picture of what's actually driving their business. And I would say 99% of businesses are in the dark when it comes to this, and they don't really get it. And I think in part two, we'll be able to give some insights. You'll give some insights as to what the solution is, but spoiler alert, it's not going to be exact and it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. How could it be? And if you want it to be, don't listen because you'll just frustrate me. Yeah. It's go, true. Go listen to somebody else's podcast that has data to sell you that they don't really have. And if anyone tells you that they figured it all out and they have 100% view into everything that they're doing, unless they can actually track views and impressions in their third-party attribution software, which no one that I know of can do that as of right now. In platform, Facebook can do it, but it only really does it for seven days. That's useless. Yeah, and the delivery is flawed too. The API that Facebook makes available and the information they actually port over. I've got data on that too that I'll share in part two. A lot of it's modeled anyway. The only company that could truly solve this problem that I know of, that I can think of is Apple. Because they have the origination device that would allow them to truly see every impression, every click, every listen. If you walk by a storefront and a radio ad is playing, Apple could listen to that and, and attribute the impression. Apple could solve the attribution problem. Will they? Who knows? Well, but without that global omniscient view, nobody has anything that they claim to have. And they're yeah. all lying through their teeth. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that Apple has the bones of it, but still, that's a thorny problem to fully solve. Well, and how do you do it without massively violating people's privacy? It's like, hey, I'm going to listen to everything that ever happens around you. Is that okay? Right. And not tell you about it because we're a privacy first company just to yeah. begin Which with. Which is about, so, I think, what they're doing now, by the way. I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had about random shit that I then get ads for. Yeah. Oh, God, it happens all the time. But it's not them. Well, it's not the app or Google or Facebook. It's Apple using the data inside the microphone on your phone, selling that to a third party, and then selling that to the ad 
platform is really yeah. where it is. But we've talked about that here before. So pretty excited for part two on this because I think the denouement of the entire Cosm thought process here is pretty groundbreaking and pretty excited to have you presenting it here. And yeah, I'm picking stuff up even like the third or fourth time listening to it. So definitely you as the perpetual traffic listener, go back and listen to this episode here. Because I do think without a hint of hyperbole, and we are prone to hyperbole here every now and then, I will admit it, okay? But this is a breakthrough presentation here. And it's probably one of the most important things that you're ever going to learn about attribution, how the online marketing world works, how people actually buy. And we're going to get to part two on our next show. So make sure that wherever you are listening, you subscribe and leave a rating. Follow us over on our on our socials, you know, post TNC. We're both quite active on the socials these days, which is great. So you can definitely connect there and get more information on a lot of the stuff that we talk about here on the show. Follow me certainly on LinkedIn. It's one of the big areas that I focus on, Qasim, on all the socials at Qasim Aslam. Go back and listen to previous episodes. And of course, because this is a highly visual episode, make sure that you do watch it over on perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss anything there. All resources and show notes that we mentioned here today, as well as on part two, are over at perpetualtraffic.com. So on behalf of my amazing co-host, Qasim Aslam, peace. Until next show, part two, we'll see you then. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 